Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Uh, I have a stellar crew on board tonight. Joining us right in the express elevator at the top, we have the creme de la creme, the elite of the Big Footy hierarchy, newly promoted admin and professional grand final watcher. Good evening, messenger. I've watched so many of them, I can hardly even count them now. Mm-hmm. Alongside him, we have the newly promoted super moderator and ranking member of the big footy bourgeoisie, a professional Fremantle banner maker and pom-pom waver, Seppo, good evening. Oh, good evening, Wookie. Glad to be here. <laughs> Alongside him, we have a man who has spent the last two years dodging the slings and arrows of friends and enemies alike during the Asada investigation and was finally rewarded with an epic triumph on the weekend. Welcome, Prosecutor. G'day, Wookie. Um, I wouldn't say stellar, but stuttering tonight, so we'll see how I go. Alongside him, we have Mike, the Western Bulldogs moderator, uh, celebrating a rare turn at the top of the ladder. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, gentlemen. It's good to be back on, and I'm warning you, the Bond machine is in full swing. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, I am the Wookie, lowly, lowly peon in the big footy system, host of the program. There's a lot to get through this week, so uh, let's get straight into it, guys. I need your highlights from the weekend. We'll start uh, with Seppo. Uh, well, my highlight was none better than going down to the Cattery and watching my side just dismantle and start a trend for Geelong at the end of the dynasty and really just make that first week um, shore up as, as a sign of the times for the, the poor cats and just the way we systematically went about stripping apart that team and and really just established ourselves as uh, another contender this year when everyone thought that first week against Port Adelaide was just a, a one-off. Mm. And what about you, Prosecutor? What was your highlight from the weekend, Mark? Oh, well, I don't think we need to uh, uh, guess too much on what that is. Um, Walking home, I couldn't go to the game, unfortunately. Us uni students have to work for a living. Um, And uh, I was watching the uh, final minute or two, walking home and fist pumping down uh, Napier Street as uh, the Bombers and Kale Hooker kicked one of the worst kicks I've ever seen to deliver one of the best results I've ever seen. Okay, Messenger? Is that me? Yes. (laughs) Well, my weekend started by having to watch the disastrous dumpster fire that was Carlton on Friday night. And then on Sunday, I went to the MCG and watched my team lose to the team I hate more than life itself. So really, it was a terrific weekend. Fantastic. You sound really excited by it. Oh, Wookie. As weekends go, it was an absolute doozy. (laughs) And Mike, your highlight from the weekend... Weekend was uh, watching the doggies get up for another win on the run, um, put Tigers in their place. But also, I could probably say one of the most entertaining aspects of the weekend was watching uh, Melbourne snatch victory. Uh, sorry, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory and uh, letting what uh, GWS kick fourteen goals in a row. Mm. My highlight for the weekend, obviously not my miserable team, but uh, GWS. Finishing uh, round two in third position. See how long that lasts for. Shaping up for a match of the round this weekend on the ladder anyway. Sydney Swans versus GWS. Oh, dear. Won't be on Friday night because it's obviously not a premium game. Or it's obviously not a Carlton fixture. (laughs) (laughs) Just a quick run through the ladder before we uh, get into a quick round-up of last weekend's games. Uh, the Crows finishing on top undefeated. The Swans in second place undefeated. GWS, Fremantle and the Bulldogs taking it down to fifth. They're all undefeated. Hawthorne in sixth spot after a narrow loss. Uh, West Coast getting up over the Blues. St Kilda uh, finishing in eighth spot, defying their... Uh, uh, pre-season predictions are finishing on the bottom for the time being. Uh, Richmond in ninth, yes. <laughs> Where they belong. <laughs> it's always funny to see that. Uh, North Melbourne in tenth. Essendon, Collingwood, uh, Melbourne, Gold Coast, Port Adelaide, Carlton, Brisbane and Geelong, oddly enough, bringing up the bottom of the ladder. Which leads me to ask, guys, have any of you changed your uh, thoughts on who's going to finish on the bottom? No. Well, I'm starting to change my idea of that St Kilda weren't going to win much more than one or two games. And now I'm actually tempted to throw Carlton to the mix. Sorry to do this, Wookie, but after what I've seen them and now I'm hearing more long-term injuries coming out of that club and uh, mm. 
and the failure that is Malthouse. I'm, I'm sorry to probably say this, but I think Carlton might take out the spoon this year because I certainly probably see a bit of improvement with what St Kilda have been trying to do with the young draftees and, and even Melbourne and GWS are starting to show signs that they're ready to move up the ladder. And by a matter of uh, improvement from every other team, someone's got to finish down there. It might be Carlton with four or five wins, but that may get them last position this year. Now, Wookie, Wookie. Yes, one. This time last year, after round three, St Kilda were three and zip, right? And we had Cooks and on, and we all said, oh, St Kilda was better than we thought. Oh, they're this and they're that and the other. Oh, they might win six or seven games. Did they win six or seven games? Well, pro- probably not. Probably not. Were they any good at professional football last year? No. They are no good at professional football. They will still finish last. Do not... Do not get sick, sucked in by the false dawn. What What are we making of GWS then at the moment, based off their first two games? Well, well, Melbourne had a stab at confidence for a half. Uh, who was the other one they beat? St. Beat St Kilda. Mm. Eh. Let's see what Sydney will have no trouble with them. None. None. Bottom four. Don't forget, you also need to. We also need to throw uh, West Coast in the mix. They're suffering more injuries now, so they're in potential for a bottom four finish. So who knows? So I think West Coast are in trouble. And the other question, of course, is Gary Ablett uh, carrying an injury, probably not going to play till at least the middle of the year. Now, do we write the Suns off for the year? Yeah, certainly you don't write them off, but you take them a couple of spots down from where do you think they predicted to be because. I really thought they'd become less reliant on him, but the fact that you take him out of the side for that long, it was just ridiculous how he was actually playing through the first two games almost without an arm. You could almost cut his arm off. He was doing everything without. It was just ridiculous to see him out there, and it's almost unprofessional. You reckon that maybe the other players are looking at him and and thinking, I don't have to try as hard because I've got someone out there that's not 100%, so I'm not going to go 100%. So Mm. hopefully it does lift up the Suns a bit if he's not out there and they actually start to try more because they're certainly better than where they are now for the first two games. So this is this the same shoulder that was injured last year? Yep. Yes, it is. And they, they do... They, so what, why is he still in such a bad state? He's had months. He hasn't given enough time for recovery. You know, he's been rushed back. He has been rushed back. And, and, and shoulder injuries can be quite problematic, um, especially with the AC joint. We've got the example where Roughhead, it's taken Roughhead um, over 12 months to overcome his shoulder injury, and he's only just starting to get some confidence back in that shoulder joint. So it's not something you can really rush back. Um, well, maybe maybe they tried some, some sort of treatment, but it, it obviously hasn't worked, and, they, and they've put him at an unnecessary risk, which hasn't come off. So I think now GW, uh, sorry, Gold Coast are going to suffer as a result. Well, I'll well uh, referring back to um, uh, a post that popped up on Bigfooty back around the time or maybe a month or so afterwards. Um, there was talk uh, about... Um, there was talk of speculation of innuendo that um, Gary Ablett's shoulder was in such a state that um, he would struggle to play again. Um, obviously, he's come back and we're seeing he's a, sh- a complete shadow of himself. And um, I think he went four or five months without even being able to have contact at training. So I think that only started up in the last month that he was able to you know, even be able to be touched. So um, definitely um, I think there's cause con- uh, for concern, not just for this season, but beyond for Ablett. Always always good to be uh, in that sort of state in a contract year as well. Mm. Look, you do not hire Rodney Eade if you think you're going to be finishing 12th or 13th. You hire him because you think you're going to finals. And they felt like they had to have somebody who's a little tougher on the playing group. And it's not working. And I say tick, 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 tick. Let's just see how long he lasts. Mm. Along with Leon Cameron on, my, on the first coach to be sacked uh, list. Uh, at GWS? Absolutely. Okay. No. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, Absolutely. He's got, he has got a list full of young superstars. If they have another three-win season, he's got problems. Uh, that's true. They have to win more games. I don't think he'll be the first. I think he might survive the year, but I don't see Leon Cameron going because they've got the talent. GWS, if you look at their fixture, they will get more winnable games like they've just had for the start of this season. GWS will be a right, but I think there'll be another coach that probably goes before him before the end of the year. 
they'll get rid of him because they've got the talent. They can't squander it. Mm. They need if, if he's not getting through, and this is what his third season is that right? Yep. No, they, he he he'll have had enough, I reckon. Okay, uh, the Brisbane Lions on the weekend they had an injury to uh, forward Michael Close at Etihad Stadium. Um, they're looking at now whether that's a problem with the turf at Etihad. Uh, the Etihad Stadium have released a statement saying that uh, they will cooperate fully with the AFL and the AFLPA. Um, I, for me, I'm not a professional, obviously, and I've looked at the footage. It doesn't appear to be a turf matter for me. What are your guys' thoughts? I would think there's a difference in the give between artificial turf and, and actual turf. And and that might be. I mean, this is all gonna. This is the sort of conversations that make lawyers rich. And um, mm. I think it's terrible because he's only very young. Was he twenty one, twenty? Yeah, he's he's pretty young. He's pretty young. I mean, to have something that innocuous occur, but um, to injure so I guess the question is, who signed off on it? The there's always, there's always a level of duty of care around the ground, and especially with the hard edges of the stadium. I know it's not full sort of turf right into the edges up until the signs, and there's a lot of risks and areas on the field that have got to be checked off by the um, AFL and groundsmen before they start. But you just wonder exactly, was the cause of the injury directly impacted by the actual turf, and, and did it happen, or... What other risks are there for other players that are actually out there at Etihad because it's a slightly different surface to every single game? At a guess, I'd say from a legal standpoint that um, any injury that occurs in the playing arena and um, I guess by extension in the uh, change rooms would be um, an AFL matter as such because, um, I mean, it's a workplace. So uh, I can't see it. If it happened, for instance, he decided to walk up and get a pie or something like that and it happened, then that might be a bit different. But because it's had a, happened on the playing surface, I think this is an AFL issue, obviously, um, and also indirectly an Etihad issue. But I think, yeah, the AFL might have something to answer with this, uh, should Brisbane choose to take this seriously. Or I don't think it's actually that... Themselves. I don't think it's actually... It's not that <clears> simple um, from a perspective that we've gone down this path before. They've, the AFL has had similar issues in the past. One of those was Sean Higgins who damaged his knee when the turf slipped up. Now, there's got to be... there's got Establishing a duty of care also means that there has to be foreseeable... It must be reasonably foreseeable that um, it was expected that a player would have been injured um, through the, the condition of the turf. So the AFL might argue through their process of due diligence and QA and their pre-game checks that as a part of that routine and process that the turf the turf was up to standard. So, you know, well, it, it's I, I not an easy... It, I sorry, think that happened very not, hard. Sorry. That's all right. It, it's, not, it's not black and white. It, it is a very muddy and grey area. So first, that first Brisbane has to prove that the AFL are were aware of the problem. Two, obviously, they've got to prove that duty of care and... Three, they've got to prove, was it reasonably foreseeable that an injury would occur due to the state of the ground that the AFL should have been aware of? To be honest, I think it's, um, on all points, it's, I wouldn't say relatively easy, but I'd be inclined to say that the uh, close and Brisbane would be able to, uh, sort of, you know, comfortably be able to prove that. Where, as opposed to the Higgins, I think it's, I think that's a completely different sort of um, ball game, especially when it comes to the actual turf and then Astro turf that's right next to the playing arena. Guys, we're going to take a look at last weekend, uh, quickly run through the rounds and see how we went. Obviously, Friday night, Messenger's favourite night of the week. Oh, uh, the West Coast me. Eagles played the Carlton Blues in a match that was very detrimental to our season's chances if you're a Carlton supporter. <laughs> Not sure what we had a chance of, but we lost by 69 points uh, in a game that really had no upside for Carlton at all. Um, and I've got no comment, good or bad, to make about what was an appalling example of Australian football, in my opinion. If you turned the game off after the first quarter and you would have been all right. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll be That's doing that a lot it. this year. <laughs> so we're going to skip straight along to Saturday, unless you guys have something to, some comment to make. No, no. No. Saturday afternoon, Richmond played the Western Bulldogs in 
what was a fairly well attended game. 50,000 people turned out. Uh, not, too, not too shabby there. Mike, your guys got over the top of the Tigers. Yeah, look, I think when it comes down to it, it's just Richmond just failed to take uh, the opportunities they had, and, and, and we did. Um, it wasn't a clean game. Disposal efficiency at one, or kicking efficiency at one stage, so the Royston Bulldogs was around 51-52%, which is pretty shocking, but I think it just comes down to the fact that we took the chances when they presented, and uh, and Richmond um, have a history of underestimating us, so we tend to match okay against them, and um, they just had too many players missing on the day, I think, and they left uh, a lot to Rance to try and carry the load, and he's probably saved them from a 10-goal loss. Mm. Mike, would you say with the way that the club's playing is more increased in pressure and intensity from last year? Because I noticed that Bulldogs were quite a good contested side, but it just seems this year you've taken sort of another step forward with in terms of the pressure and tackling and what the guys are doing out there. It's a different game. Um, it's a more fastest. It's a more flying game. The McCartney game was a stoppage-based game and what was happening was that, yeah, they were there, they were good at the contested football, but they were getting killed around the stoppages and around the outside so that they couldn't get the ball out um, and they also had problems with positioning at the stoppages um, you know, Minson's ruck work was being easily shucked and the ball was up moved out, so I think what's happened is Beveridge has taken a, a whole new ball game and gotten the focus on more of a flowing attacking style of football and, and, and zoning off, um, very similar to you know what, what we see in certain, or what we see in some circumstances at Hawthorne, that similar sort of game style. Um, I think it's it's better, it's working better for the types of players that we have who are able to use their pace and speed now to effective, rather than being completely told or told to completely focus on the stoppages and the contested football. You've got to have a balance, um, a balance in the game. So. I think we'll just wait and see how it goes. I think they're playing okay for where they are now. Um, you know, it's a long season ahead and, you know, your week can change um, in an instant. And so we've already seen that, you know, Libby was out before the start of the season, so they've had to make a few changes there in the middle, which I think isn't going too bad. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where they are when they start hitting the, the bench, yeah, the, the benchmarks of the of the competition with um, Hawthorne and Sydney and so forth and Frio. Well, I think we'll get an idea there of where the game really is. But in terms of finals football for the Bulldogs, no one's talking about that. I think we're a good season, at least away from being a serious finals contender. Okay. Now, also Saturday afternoon, GWS played Melbourne. Uh, Messenger, I know you're a keen follower of all things GWS. Uh, they won by 45 points in Sydney. How do you read it? I, I actually watched some of this on, on Foxtel and uh, Melbourne were quite good for the start and it was a, a reasonably competitive game up till half time but somebody clearly, uh, maybe Mark let, let Mark Neild into the uh, club rooms at half time because they came out and it was good old Melbourne again and, uh, and GWS completely and utterly poleaxed them after half time and um, I think Paul Ruse would be tearing what's left of his hair out from that one. That was a very, very poor loss from where they were. They had them, they had them uh, well and truly covered at halftime. Mm. One, one's got to ask, though. Sorry, one, one, one's got to ask. How do you come out after half time and let a let the opposition kick? Was it 14 goals in a row? Mm. Ruse is an experienced coach. He should have been able to make changes and see that and and, and, and change the position or read the play. Um, I don't know. I didn't get a chance to see the game, so I'm not quite sure how it panned out after half-time. Well, I think I saw... sounds like Melbourne just just uh, stopped in their track and forgot they were playing football. Yes. I, I saw a bit of analysis with Ruse after the game, just talking about you know, halting momentum and what you can do. And some of it's just unavoidable in the box. And a lot of it gets down to the leadership and the players that are actually out in the ground for the ability to just change up the side a bit and make some calls out there without even coming from the coach's box. And there's probably a Melbourne side out there that just don't have the natural leaders out there, the ability to stop it like a, a Pav or a Hodgie or, or a Jard or that type of a thing out in the field. It's, it's probably something that Melbourne are lacking a bit and um, that they'll learn over a period of time to just get better on that on-field leadership and management of a game and just being able to stifle that uh, 
side it gets on that type of ridiculous run of goals. Okay, Saturday afternoon, Collingwood played Adelaide at Etihad Stadium, Collingwood's uh, annual Etihad Stadium game. Uh, Adelaide won this perhaps a little surprisingly uh, by 27 points. Uh, Seppo, how'd you read it? Um, I watched a bit of this game in between um, a few others and I was quite surprised at how well Adelaide were actually pressing and obviously that just continues on from their round one win and I thought Collingwood may struggle but it, they did seem to just break down across with their transition of footy and Adelaide now just look like a side now that they're almost ready to really make their mark in the eight and start to win on the road and against some of these um, Melbourne sides that yeah, you'd think this would be a 50-50 game but now Adelaide look like they, they're in serious means of business and I suppose it looked like getting out of hand towards the end and Collingwood got some late goals but it was probably all too little too late okay, Does, can, can Adelaide keep that up all season, Seppo? That's, well, a, a, a that's a very tough busy, tough game, game style on, on them They've certainly got the home ground advantage and they haven't been able to keep that up too much in the past at Adelaide Oval. It's not the same dominance as Porter's had, but given the, a lot of other sides around are starting to slip away, if Adelaide, I haven't had a full look at their draw, but it just seems advantageous for you know what they've been doing, and if they can replicate that week in, week out, they'll um, be right up there at the business end of the season. Well, they've got Melbourne this week um, at Adelaide yeah. Oval. There you go. So, um, continue. They're going to be three zip, The other thing too we've got to remember is Adelaide generally play well at Etihad um, if, for some strange reason that ground se- seems to suit their style of play better whereas Collingwood it's it's their unpreferred ground and I think they would have played a little bit more of a, a, a bigger or more open game had they played at the MCG but I mean that that's the way it was um, but it doesn't surprise me that Adelaide beat Collingwood at Etihad because historically they have played good games there and they do play that ground very very well the thing for me with Adelaide as well is I think when you look at how they're going at the moment, they've got a very good best 22 in there and playing. The second they start to take a couple of uh, key injuries to those players there, they're going to start to lip, slip away because I don't think their depth is as good over this course of this season. And to sort of highlight on that too, I think uh, one of the big things that we have to look at with Adelaide too is to have a fit and firing Taylor Walker back into their team. And I think he's played um, a massive role in their fortune so far this season, albeit young. Mm. Okay. Now, also, Saturday night, uh, St Kilda travelled up to Metricon Stadium to play the Gold Coast. And again, probably surprised a few people, came away with a 28-point victory. Prosecutor, how'd you see this? Oh, jeez. It, um, it was surprising in a sense. Um I mean, to hark back to our discussion before when we were talking about um, whether our predictions for the bottom of the ladder changed, uh, I, I knew the Gold Coast was struggling, but I didn't realise they were struggling that bad to make St Kilda look like a pretty decent team. Um, I've been a pretty harsh critic of uh, Josh Bruce, and uh, to his credit, he's been performing very well, and he's um, it's a long time coming, but it looks like... Uh, him and, I guess, in partnership with Membry and soon-to-be McCartan look to be relieving the load that uh, Nick Rewald's had up for. So, from that perspective, St Kilda looked decent, but again, um, we've got to remember that St Kilda, it's a good start to the season for them, but who have they played? GWS and then a Gold Coast team that's struggling? Mm. Uh, I think um, it'll be another long season for them still yet to come. Okay, the biggest, um, what what was probably the match of the round when we were looking at it in the previews, Port Adelaide played Sydney in Port, uh, at Adelaide Oval. And Sydney walloped them. It was 48 points in the end. How did, what, what, what does this mean? Are the Swans going to dominate the year now? Is, do we just hand them the flag? Well, no, I think, um, when you've got teams such as Essendon around who can keep us uh, Sydney honest, and when they do have the match fitness, I think, uh, I think yes, Essendon can keep them out. But that's just my humble opinion, non-biased. Right. Okay. Anyway, back on. <laughs> well, I just tuned in for this game. Oh, look, what I know. noticed straight up is what Sydney did to Port is what Hawthorne did to Sydney in grand final last year. And that's just come out rough, play the man, and really make them hurt at every opportunity. And, and Sydney came out with a, a level of 
um, manic pressure and hard bodies thrown at these port players to stop their run that it's almost like now that they've someone's figured out how to beat port and applied it to them because that's how Frio came out hard and stopped their run and just sit behind the play and run at them as they're trying to stream through and, and Port were probably a bit shaken by this so expect Port to be able to back to their best against the weaker sides but certainly seems now like these top four sides are starting to figure out how to play against Port and Sydney came out hard and I'm sure that they'll be um, running ahead with some other decent wins at their full strength Horse, the thing that struck me about the game too and I had to watch it on mute because Byron Taylor's commentating but um Port could once the ball got to Port Hart's half forward line, they had no cohesion whatsoever. There's no system. Sydney had it really stifled them in the midfield, and, and they couldn't buy a goal. I mean, they were they were awful. Half forward of forward of their own uh, in their own forward half. So um, that's something they'll have to fix. And whether they get a bit more space when they can move the ball better. Um, that that'll be the the key to them probably uh, getting get improving. Speaking of watching the game on mute, I must say I heard BT come out with a line that I've never heard before. I think someone did a soccer goal and he called it a foot goal, and I I don't know what is going on in his head, but he's just starting to lose a BT. He should not That's be complicated. Chaos call there. Eh? Yeah. Oh, no, it's you turn the sound off and life's better. <laughs> Alrighty, Sunday afternoon, Geelong played Fremantle at Cadenia Park or Simmons Stadium or whatever they call it today. Um, Fremantle getting up over the top by 44 points. Seppo, you were there? Um, front and centre, watching this game unfold. It was fantastic. I went with an air of confidence into this game, knowing that we're going to beat Geelong, but I didn't think it was going to be by this margin, so it was a, a nice surprise and just amazing to see that we've taken now... You know, start of the year dominance that um, we've continued is is now looking like we've got a, a formula that works. We're scoring more. That's two weeks in a row we scored over a hundred. And I'll tell you what, Fife it he he causes causes movement. Fife he amazes me. I suppose Mike, it's the same feeling for you watching Bond and Pelly. People probably go to the football to watch Nathan Fife. He's a star, and and at the moment. He's probably sitting on about five or six Brownlow votes already, and if he can avoid being there, written up on Monday and Tuesday at the tribunal, he'll be standing <laughs> on the podium, being handed over a Brownlow by Prittis to the, a rightful owner at the end of this year. Oh, I tell you what, it is going to be when when he finally gets rubbed out at some point this year, when he has a weight esque brain fade. Oh. We have to have you on the podcast. The tears are going to be as joyful it's... as messengers about Friday night footy. <laughs> oh, don't be nasty, guys. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, Essendon played Hawthorne in what turned out to be a surprisingly cracker of a game in the end. Uh, I guess both Prosecutor and Messenger watch this. But uh, let's get the victor's words first. Pros? Well, um... I was actually obviously quite pleased with um, the way we played for about pretty much uh, all but a quarter's worth of football. Um, our, the pressure we displayed was fantastic um, for starters. Um, yeah, first quarter and a bit, first quarter or two quarters were pretty good in that regard. We let a few uh, late goals in that sort of gave Hawthorne that little bit of momentum heading into the third quarter. But... Um, I guess one of the things I took out of the match, and I don't know about you, Mess, you might be able to sort of uh, back this up as well. Um, yeah. I don't know you saw it, but that first sort of 15 minutes of play in the third quarter before Hawthorne started to kick a couple of goals in a row, where it was really back and forth, the uh, passage of play, um, I thought it was some of the best uh, football just from a... I don't know, I don't want to use the term finals football, but I guess the atmosphere and... The, um, the pressure that was being applied to both teams in the sense that if you got the ball, you were going to get crunched. Um, and I guess there was that sort of uh, feeling of each team sort of struggling to break through each um, team's line. I guess, I don't know, it was some of the... I think it uh, defied its round two billing and it felt like it was a lot later in the season. It, it that, did. That and, period. and that period you're talking about was, was really the only probably the only arm wrestle of the whole game. Essendon were substantially the better side before half-time and really 
when you look at them, I think we were 22 points down at half time. It didn't feel like it was 22 points. It felt like it should be many more. But Essendon moved the ball very, very well. Um, they ran well. They'd certainly done their homework. Hawthorne, for their part, were off their game, and a, and a couple of guys had pretty poor games. We had a couple of issues with, with structure down the back, and, and Stratton ended up having to to um, stand a couple of the second calls at, uh, in various parts. And, and uh, Lake, Lake was uh, had a tremendous game, but, but Stratton was asked to play tall. And in fact, Ben McAvoy ended up playing down back for a while as well. So, um, look, Essendon were very, very good. And I think if Hawthorne review anything of that game, they will review the last 95 seconds. Because when you're 16 points up with 95 seconds to go and you lose, clearly something has gone dreadfully wrong. And uh, they pushed forward, they overcommitted, and Essendon popped out the back two or three times there and, and took the game away from us. But um, look, if, we, if we'd won it, we would have stolen it, to be honest, because we weren't the better team for most of that day. Uh, just one other, I guess, facet to cover with this game as well. Um, it was... Uh... Despite how free-flowing it sort of became in the end, um, it was a really defensive-based game. I mean, the three best players on the ground, you could argue, were Hooker, Hurley and Lake. Um, and I guess it's been a very long time since a team's beaten Hawthorne and only kicked 76 or 78 points or whatever it was to do so. It's, a, it's the lowest score Hawthorne have kicked in a very long time as well. And... Um... Uh, I, I don't know. I I didn't see it with Hurley. I honestly didn't. I I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was best on ground. I think the guy who who, regardless of the goal that was sealer, Kale Hooker was fantastic in the last line of defence. He was very very good, and uh, I think he's been overlooked. Why he's overlooked in favour of Hurley, I have no idea. But Hooker was tremendous, and. Um. Uh, yeah, the coaches' votes was uh, interesting then, in that, obviously, uh, Hooker came out with the nine votes. Uh, Hurley had the seven. But interest, uh, interestingly, neither coach had him best on ground, and one coach had Zach Merritt best on ground. I would have thought Hooker was close. Um, the Essendon midfield were very even. wasn't too many. Rioli and Hill were comfortably... Rioli, Hill and Lake were comfortably Hawthorne's best players. And Hill had a tremendous game. But, um, yeah, I, I was a bit surprised about the Hurley love. I didn't, didn't think that much of his day, to be honest. But, um, yeah, Hooker was, was exceptionally good. All right. The last game of the round was North Melbourne and the Brisbane Lions in the twilight slot on Sunday afternoon. North Melbourne winning this game convincingly by 82 points. Um, did any of you watch it? No. Oh, no. I uh, saw... Sort of uh, some of the second half. Um, I think it's, there, uh, it's fair to say that uh, Jared Waite, the young gun, is a firm lock for the Rising Star nomination this week. <laughs> Such potential Jared Waite has. Such oh, potential. He's, he's tremendous. All right, before we you move... You just know he's going to take it into the big games when it matters too, don't you? He's just got that vibe about him. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> he, can't, he can't wait to face St Kilda and GWS. <laughs> All right, before we move on to this weekend's games, uh, leading goal kickers for the league at the moment, Josh Kennedy on 12, having kicked 10 of them in the last round. Uh, Taylor Walker with 8, Josh Bruce with 8, Luke Bruce with 7, Jamie Cripps 7, Jared Waite 7, Franklin 6, uh, McCarthy, Pavlich and Dixon 6 each. Leading disposal getters, Jordan Lewis with 69, David Mundy 68, Nat 567, Josh P. Kennedy, uh, 66, Luke Parker, 65. So, some good stats there, I guess. Ballantyne was suspended for two games by the Match Tribunal uh, for fun stuff there. Rough contact on Geelong defender Harry Taylor. So, Hang on, can we, sorry, can we just hear Seppo have a whinge about this one? I'm not actually going to have a whinge about this one because I think it's taken in consideration. It's a, it's a two-week out to... Well, one week out to two because of his bad record. The bit that gets me is Billy Smets, what he did to Lee Spur, only deserving of a fine, which mm. if you've seen the footage, it is a more act of thuggery that if you did that out in the street, you'd be locked up and 
in front of the courts for what Billy Smith did and the fact that Valentine got what he did. And I suppose if you can just look back to what Stevie J did to Mitchell in the week before, mm. that the act that Billy Smith's completed that only attracted a fine is ridiculous. So I've got no problem with what Valentine's done, but it's a clothesline straight to the throat after Spurs kicked the ball and it only got a fine. And I'm more disgusted about that than the Valentine bump. And, and Smith's I got a week, didn't he? Sorry, I Seppo? thought Smith's got a week, but... Yeah, he's not in the... According to the AFL website, Smith's uh, got a week. He got two reduced to one. Oh, that's it. And uh, Alex Sexton, uh, similar for his hit on Jack Loney. Uh, fines were given to Stephen May, Mitch Duncan, uh, and Michael Ferrito. It certainly feels like he got off because what he did was far worse. <laughs> By the way, I completely agree. Smith's uh, penalty was way too lenient. It was a very, very poor act. Mm. 296,790 people went to the footy on the weekend, if you're wondering. Crowds are up 17% on where they were after round two last year. And I can I tell you that every bastard in red and black was on my train carriage on the way home. <laughs> every single one of them. And they all looked so happy, it made me sick. Uh, I thought uh, they must have been high on AOD or something. So do you catch the train home from <laughs> Richmond Station? Um, I ca- no, no, I catch the train home from Jollymont. Right. You hipster, you. Yeah, which means I have to line up on the. I have to line up to get on the platform. Right. Yeah. So I was going to say you're, you're one of those who are having to get through the Mickey Gates or whatever they are there. Well, we still have to to touch on, but you know they they've created a system where it takes you five seconds to touch on. So what do they think was going to happen? We're looking at round three of this year's AFL season, and we're starting Friday night. And no messenger. It's not a Carlton game. Oh, thank. You. God for that. What's, who's playing? Collingwood and St Kilda. Oh, <laughs> God. Mother of God. What is wrong with you, Dylan? <sighs> what are we going to name this side? The uh, the cripple fight? This is called... It's Timmy. There's a lot of injuries here. But, but, but Jimmy. The inedible versus the unspeakable. Mm. Who do we think is going to win, yours? Collingwood. Collingwood just on the fact they've probably got a more experienced list and a yeah. decent enough win under their belt already. No I don't even know, guys. I just know that we're the ones who are going to lose. Yes, yes, society is the loser. <laughs> it's the for, Kilda win we get a week of, of uh, have, seen, have seen Kilda turn the corner articles before they lose. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Saturday afternoon, a big game at the MCG, Carlton versus Essendon. Oh no! Yes. Oh, yes. Avert your eyes, kids. This is this is this is the avert your eyes game of over who Essendon are going to do things to Carlton that have not been seen since Burt Reynolds was in Deliverance. This is <laughs> Carlton are going to be in the Ned Beatty position, I reckon, on this one. Well, I'm going the upset here, and I'm I am biased, and I don't not... care, but. I'm going the upset for this one. Will you be in attendance, Wookie? I was going to be in attendance for this, but I'm currently working and will be working the whole weekend, unfortunately. You you would rather be in prison than what this Wookie? <laughs> Turkish prison than this. Ever been in a heft in a grown man decade? Rather be on... Ever, de- se- ever seen Robert Warnock win a ta- tap out? <laughs> he might get named this weekend. I don't know. I haven't even seen the team lineups yet. Um, Adelaide have Melbourne at Adelaide Oval on uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, God. Nice That'll be a uh, training session. This round's got it all. It's got massacres, maulings, destruction. Annihilations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Pestilence. So I, I gather we're all going for Adelaide on this one. Mm. And then you get the Who Cares Cup. SCG, 4.30pm. Sydney versus GWS. But if you go by later position, this is match of the round. <laughs> the Sydney GWS game. It, it's got it's got all the hallmarks of a game bound to disappoint. What do they it, call this one? It's they, all they call it Battle of the Bridge. Is the it Battle it? of the Bridge. Mm. My mm. God. Where is it being played? Is it being played at Spotless or a CG? SCG. SCG. What's on in the A League this week, Rookie? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm starting to think about following it. Any darts on? I'm pick up rugby league this weekend. Um, 
North Melbourne for, uh, Saturday night have got Port Adelaide at Etihad Stadium. Ooh. That's actually going to be an interesting game. Mm. Yes. Interesting. Absolutely anything, and I would not be surprised. Because if Port lose, they go zip and three, and they can be in trouble. But if I suppose they win, it's question marks on kangaroos, and the Mr. Scott will be blaming the roof, no doubt. Or well, the roof will be closed because it's a night game. So yeah. if I was the oh. AFL, I'd open it just to troll him. But <laughs> oh, absolutely, I'm, yeah. I'm not the AFL. <laughs> no, I'd half open it. Half open it on him. I'd open and shut it just during the game at random times. <laughs> I, 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 I say that Port are going to win this game. Fair, fair enough. I honestly have no idea either way. I say I'll go the draw. I will go the draw. <laughs> it's a bit early to be doing that in the season, isn't it? Oh, well, you've got to do it sometime. All right. Saturday night as well, Brisbane Lions have Richmond at the Gabba. Brisbane with a lot of injuries. I'm tipping Richmond for this one, but only just. Um, Wookie, over under on the crowd? Oh, this... I don't... Yeah, I'd say you're looking at maybe 15th hour. No, I say 16. And, and that's with Richmond. That's with a big... Sorry, what I say, I'm going to use... Inverted commas don't very work, work very well on podcasts, but big four club, Richmond... They, um, look, and if they can only get 15,000, that's that's terrible. They had 31,000 there on the weekend against Colling, uh, when they played Collingwood. Um, and they've got a lot of members signed on this year. They've beat their membership targets for last year. Well, that's when they had some hope coming off a decent pre-season. Yeah, but you've already bought the membership. You may as well go to the game now. But look, this is Brisbane. Yeah, maybe. It's, uh, it might be too early in the season yet for them to be jumping off the bandwagon, but they'd want to pick up soon. I reckon this game might draw a right. They want it to. But, yeah, I think Richmond just on this. But you can always hope for a Lions to get up. Who knows? Certainly if you had the choice between watching Kangaroos and Power or Brisbane and Richmond, you'd probably go to the Kangaroos Power game. Hang on, which one will Brian Taylor be calling? <laughs> I'll be the watching other the opposite. Which one is the Channel 7 game? It'll be North and Port. Uh, this weekend? Uh, the night game's the North and Port, I think. Because they show the game in Adelaide and it's least uh, least effort, so. And they're both preliminary finalists from last year. Mm. I'll tell you though. Um, where are we? While we have this uncomfortable pause. This is this is great radio. <laughs> no, the national game uh, appears to be. I should already have this information in hand. Yes, the national game is North Melbourne and Port Adelaide. So, fun stuff. That's great. So, Sunday. Sunday at Aurora Stadium, we go back to Tasmania. And Mike and uh, Messenger, Hawthorne, have the Bulldogs. It's the, it's the Mike and Messenger Cup. <laughs> My spidey senses are tingling. I think this has got danger game written all over it. I'm going. I'm going the dogs in an upset here. You're only doing that to upset me. Yeah. When's the last time Wolves got the game down in Tassie though? Um, twenty twelve. We got beaten by Sydney down there. In fact, I think it was the year that Sydney won the flag. Yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah. Mm. There are chances the Bulldogs. Oh uh, look. I don't know. I still think I'm still t- tipping Hawthorne by two goals, thereabouts. I'll tip the Hawks and the Bulldogs. Only because, disgrace only, be- only because of age and experience. Mm. All right. The other game on well, the other game uh, on Sunday afternoon, Geelong and the Gold Coast at Saint uh, at Skilled Stadium. Uh, Geelong to win this, I'd suspect. It's or Geelong to limp over the line. Oh, I don't even know with that one. Well, no, no. No, no they, they couldn't. Gold Coast have just spent the last two weeks stinking it up against the worst two teams in the AFL. But Geelong, and, uh, yeah. Actually, didn't Gold and Coast win this game, game that, last one? The Gold Coast are going to win. It's going to be this one. Yeah, Gold Coast uh, pushed them down there at the end of last Gold season, I believe. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say, though, that this game as a prospect is uh, completely us about what we probably thought it would be four weeks ago. Mm. It's also the national broadcast game for Sunday afternoon, if you're wondering. 
Wow. Uh, which means the West Coast Fremantle Derby game in Perth is only Derby. shown Say in Perth. Right. Derby. 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 So the West... Also known as Fremantle versus the Traffic Cones. <coughs> oh, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Shots fired. Hello. So, yes, we've got West Coast and Fremantle Sunday afternoon Perth time. Uh, this game is only shown on free TV in Perth. Um, which is an atrocity, atrocity really, because these games are typically um, typically well fought. Seppo? Well, over the last few years, I think what well, Freo have won the last six now against the Eagles, and they're always close games. But if you ever want to see uh, a, a side just conceding defeat, head over to the Eagles board and just have a look at the preview of this game after dominance of our midfield and, and what their midfield's been serving up, it's almost polar opposites. And unless Nat Nui can pull off some almost marks and, and magic in the midfield and, and keep it off our Fife-Mundy-Barlow-Hill combination, they're going to be in dire straits. And Josh Kennedy's not going to be able to kick them 10 goals to save them if the ball doesn't get down there. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see if uh, Nat Nui can actually land a mark because at the moment he's 2015... Tally for marks equals zero. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. It's another shot. So, do, does your wife know about your love of Nat 5? Oh, she's... No. She, she's in love with Nat 5. <laughs> she does now. <laughs> so, basically, having looked at the round, you're telling me that the only games worth watching are possibly North Melbourne and Port and uh, Hawthorne and the Bulldogs and maybe West Coast and Freo. Yes. Yeah. And Essendon and Carlton, because, I mean... No, I've seen Carlton get smashed. Yeah, but we see it every week. It's boring. Yeah, but I reckon hopefully this will be on a whole new level if we're lucky. And, and by the way, I'm a little over watching Essendon win things as well, just quietly. So <laughs> I know tribunal <laughs> hearings, uh, all four games, it's all happening at the moment. <laughs> all right, just before we get to what you want to watch for, uh, what you're looking forward to most for the round, just the only positive thing is uh, we haven't had is a test. Ooh. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Just be- just before we get to what you want to, what what you're looking forward to for the round, club memberships: Adelaide, Fremantle, Hawthorne, Port Richmond, and Sydney have all set records for their membership now. Um, some by considerable margins. Adelaide are up seven thousand on their previous record. So, <laughs> both my dogs have got memberships now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brisbane and St Kilda are both up on last year um, uh, so they're tracking pretty well as well and everyone else still playing catch up so guys what are you looking forward to most on the weekend uh, Essendon's potential um, uh, how to describe it while being uh, politically correct um Essendon's enjoyment, or Schadenfreude, or how you pronounce it, over uh, Carlton's demise Saturday. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, yes. Yeah, I'm not so sure that, that means what you think that, it means, anyway. but anyway. <laughs> it's like a Carlton game plan, how I pronounce that. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Messenger, what are you looking forward to? I'm thinking probably getting out into the into the fresh air in, in the garden and <laughs> a bit of, bit of rest and relaxation. That'll be terrific, and... And just uh, hope that the bond, the bond doesn't take to us. Well, Mike, what are you looking forward to, Mark? I'm looking forward to getting on the plane and going back home on Saturday. And then, uh, yeah, seeing how the game between the Hawks and Dogs goes. Seeing if we get a little bit of action going between Bond, Tempelli and uh, Langford to see if, if, if uh, Clarkson's going to put Langford on Bond and Pelly. So well, that, that'll be a good matchup if he does. Well, let me tell you, Langford stunk it up last weekend, so he'd want to do better this week. Yeah, but I, I think if there's one guy that's from your, from your team who will uh, give him a good seven, I think Langford will be the player for it. It'll be it'll be a certainly interesting matchup, that's for sure. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Seppo, what are you looking forward to, Mark? Um, It's not actually my own game, but the uh, Geelong Gold Coast game interests me the most. It's one I'm probably actually going to sit down and take great interest in, especially as... The Suns look like they won't be having Ablett out there for a while. I'm quite interested to see how they react to and perform and, and lift their game after, um, obviously, their first two poor performances because I certainly rated them highly. And I'm just interested to see if 
Geelong uh, any better once they start to make some changes to their side and coming off their first two losses. So that's going to be uh, quite interesting to watch and just see how things pan out mm. for the rest of the season based off that game. Mm. I'll, of course, be watching the Carlton Essendon game on uh, Saturday afternoon and listening to the tears of Messenger as the game goes on. Just quietly playing in the background. I won't, be, I won't have anything to do with that game. <laughs> I'll be walking my members out in the park. <laughs> Your pet rocks. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for the podcast this week, unless uh, you gentlemen have something else to say. Uh, maybe, Mike, some quick thoughts on the new CEO appointment. Ah, yeah, Mike. Good, good, uh, good. Yeah, well done, Pross. Um, given, I've literally got that in a note somewhere here. Some Nike executive, isn't it? Mike, you know about hang this? On, hang on, you've, lost me. you've got a new CEO, Mike. You know about what? Oh yes, yes, yes. We have we have got a new CEO. That's right. I do know about that. So, well, let's 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 see what happens. I guess I haven't read up too much on uh, Stevenson. So, but I do hear he comes with a good sheet. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to pick up and uh, and to do do a decent job. What's that new slogan going to be? Just dog it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bet more dogs. <laughs> All right, and also, Mike, uh, Footscray versus Box Hill is the match of the day on Channel 7, uh, starting at noon. Yeah, the the, uh, the first the first round of the beer whole season, that's right. That's so right. it's going to be interesting, although although we no longer have that star at the moment, so um, that's going to be interesting. But no, that'll be a good game, I think. Box Hill and, uh, and the VFL um, puts grace, so it'd be a good one to watch. Get up, get down there and watch it if you can. I might, I might even tune in. <laughs> All right, that's well. gonna be that's gonna be it for us for the week. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Thanks very much, guys, for coming on. Uh, thank no you, th- thank you, Messenger. No worries. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thanks again, mate. Thanks, Prosecutor. Not a problem. And thank you, Seppo. Always a pleasure. And thank you very much to the people that listen to us every week. We'll see you all on the forums. Thanks very much, Joyce. See you later. <laughs> Thanks, Chief. <laughs> Thanks for stopping to us, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. oh, you're funny, Messi. <laughs> <laughs>